Okay. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to Rampage's Random Ramblings. Uh, episode 7. Been a while since the last one, and for those of you who didn't watch it, uh, I did a long-form interview with Laser, one of the GMs of Orange County, and Beck's current commissioner of the ISFL, and that was a great episode if you want to go watch it. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to be back. Been a while. Uh, you know, everything going on with COVID, all that crazy stuff. Got a new job recently, so, you know, I haven't really had the time to make a podcast, but I was finally able to set some time aside and really record something new. Uh, so today, what I want to talk about was a couple of things. I want to talk about uh, Season 23 Awards um, and sort of what my thoughts are uh, about the list. Uh, I want to talk about dots, and I want to talk about expansion. Um, so with that out of the way, let's just get right into it. Um, talking about awards, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my history with the awards. I was the head of the awards committee for season 20 and season 21 before stepping down. Um, voiceless creator came on after me. Uh, he's done a great job um, really revitalizing the committee and actually giving us some direction. So uh, I appreciate what he's done. And currently I serve as the Yellowknife representative because uh, no one else really wanted a job. And frankly, it's not that difficult. Uh, doing the representation. Uh, I don't have any issue with it, certainly. Uh, so, anyways, let's just uh, start getting into the awards um, and kind of going through it um, and sort of my thoughts on how the ballot lied. So, uh, starting off, Returner of the Year. Uh, let's just going to go on the list, uh, the way that they were presented. Um, so, the winner of this... Uh, was Louisiana Purchase, uh, who had an absolutely insane season at kick returner. Um, insanely efficient. I mean, 34.4 yards uh, average, I believe, was uh, the record for uh, returners. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was by a pretty wide margin. And I don't think it's a record that's going to be improved anytime soon. Um you might see something better, but really you're not going to see, like, it'll probably be like 34.6 or something, you know, very, very minor. Um, he was a bit of a one-trick pony, like he only did kick returns. Uh, guys like Matthias Hanyadi, myself, um, were elite punt returners and elite kick returners, but really his kick return season was so good, like he, he just separated himself from everyone else. Um... So yeah, fine with Louisiana Purchase winning it. He had a great season, so no issues with that. Uh, for punter of the year, it's actually a really, really close race between sidekick, powers, and small. Um, I mean, they all had uh, really something to be proud of, I think. Um, they all had great seasons, very, very close to each other. Sidekick had the best average, um, and that's probably why he won it. Uh, he was... Decent amount better than both small and powers. For reference, he had a 47.4 average. Small was 46.7. And powers was 46.8. Um, small had the most inside the 20. And powers had second most inside the 20. And powers and sidekick tied on their long for a punt uh, at 73. So, 
I'm not like super deep in the special teams. That's just not my uh, specialty, if you will. Um, there are people who know way more than me about it. But frankly, um, I agree with it. I think Small potentially had a better argument. At least I think he had a better argument than Powers. Um, you know, his efficiency was, you know, slight. Like, it's 0.1 yard. Is There's not a lot in that. Um, but he had three more punts inside the 20. And his long was only two yards short. So, I think Small should have gotten second place, personally, uh, over Powers. But, you know, any of those three were fine uh, picks. So, uh, ultimately, I'm fine with sidekick winning. Uh, now, for kicker, uh, Silver Banana won this one uh, with Prohaska not far behind. But, uh, I mean, Banana, he was pretty automatic. Um, second highest um, extra point percentage, but really I think the only reason his was lower was because he just had less of them. Um Smalls and Prohaska, who both got 97.4. Uh, Prohaska was 37 out of 38, and Smalls was 38 out of 39, respectively. Um, so, really, if Banana had one more field goal, he would have been equal to those guys. Um, but his field goal percentage was the best out of all of the um, candidates on the list. Again... Slightly ahead of Prohaska by zero, by like 0.1 again. Uh, just because, you know, Banana got to make one more field goal. <clears throat> and Smalls was lower than either of them. Uh, just to, you know, keep some reference here. But, you know, Banana and Prohaska were pretty close the entire season. Really, I think either of them uh, could have been a good pick. But Silver Banana also did have the longest field goal, or second longest. Um, at 56, longer than Prohaska. So, again, uh, no issue with this award. Um, again, it's kind of like you can have either of the top two, and I think you're fine. Uh, now, for safety of the year, uh, yeah, I, I, Blaylock, easy on this one. Uh, he was just insane. Uh, and I'll talk more about him later, actually, but... Um, to give like a sneak peek, he just had an absolutely massive season. If you haven't seen the stats, uh, what I might do is I might actually include the finalist lists for those of you that haven't seen it, um, just so you can, you know, look at the stats and just see. But for those of you who aren't aware or who are new, uh, way back in the early history of the league, uh, one of the things you could do is you could play safety at linebacker, uh, or play safeties at linebacker. And for those of you who haven't read the rulebook in depth, or those of you who have, really, uh, you may notice that it's now banned. And you might be wondering why. Well, uh, Blaylock's season is basically, I guess you could say, a small indication as to why. Because... Safety at linebacker is massively, massively overpowered. Um, it generates insane stats. It, it's so much better, it's kind of insane. So, it was banned uh, from the league. 
but Blaylock still had an incredible season, even though that sort of, um, I guess, tactic is banned. Um, so, yeah. Uh, absolutely insane season from Blaylock. Completely agree. Um, really, I don't think there's a whole lot of competition for this award. <laughs> as bad as that sound. I mean, Vegeta had a solid season, too. Um, he was very, very, I guess you could say, consistent. You know, six sacks, six interceptions, seven PDs. Uh, two interception touchdowns, which is actually kind of crazy. Um, but really, Blaylock, yeah, easy. Um, no argument for me. Uh, now, for Corin Abernathy, um, or I guess cornerback of the year, Corbin A- Corin Abernathy won it. Um, and again, yeah, uh, I'm fine with that. Really, not much else to say, honestly. Uh, Booker was definitely more flexible and that was kind of the other one I was looking at for winners um because he really did everything he had a TFL he had a forced fumble fumble recovery he had some sacks uh, as well as the interceptions and two again two um touchdowns from interceptions and keep in mind he had three ints so you know 66% of the time he would take it in for a score which is pretty insane um, and a good amount of PDs too, 16, uh, which was more than either Lavelle Jr. and Rector, who are both on this list uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, it was between Booker and Abernathy, and I mean, 24 PDs is pretty crazy, as well as 5 ints. His tackles are the lowest on the list here, uh, actually by a pretty decent margin. Um the only one who even comes close is Rector, who's uh, still eight ahead of him. So, you know, that's like a game or two, depending on uh, where you get played at corner. So, yeah, Abernathy, good pick. I think Booker was really the only realistic competition. Um, yeah, don't don't really have much else to say. Uh, so we'll keep moving. Linebacker of the year, uh, Galf Wolf, another easy one. Really... This and safety were probably the easiest ones to pick. Um, I mean, like, Wolf was insane. Uh, and he's another player I'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, Wolf, easy. You know, 15 sacks, 12 PDs, uh, had a safety, for, uh, fumble recovery, ton of tackles. You know, three interceptions as well, which is uh, really insane. So, he had a lot of turnovers. He did a ton of work. He even took one of those uh, instant for a touchdown. So, yeah. Wolf, another easy uh, selection. Now, for defensive end of the year, we actually had a... Nope. Uh, the slideshow is wrong. It's a DT and then DE. All right. We'll start with uh, DE then. Uh, DE, uh, you had some pretty historic um, numbers here from Suzuki uh, in particular. Philadelphia DE, who broke the TFL record um, by a pretty convincing margin. I think he broke it in, or he tied it in week 15, broke it in week 16, something like that. Um, but Suzuki was absolutely insane. You know, 24 TFLs is absolutely crazy. Um, most on the list by a long shot. You know, no one's even in the same solar system. But, I mean... <laughs> For those of you that don't know, um, DEs do not get sacks in the sim. It's pretty rare. Uh, Suzuki, for example, only got three. Um, the rest of the guys, 
Uh, only one of them has 10, uh, for reference. And for the DTs, as you'll see, the two winners both broke into double digits. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but only one of them broke into double digits on this list. Um, and that was Logan Noble Jr. But looking at the winner, it was Manuel Blackstone, who, again, he was another player that kind of was very, very flexible. He had a good amount of tackles, 66, which is um, second most on the list, only beaten by Idlewild. Uh, 19 TFLs, which is very, very good. He almost broke into 20, but he also had seven sacks, uh, which is really good for a DE. Um, he also had two forced fumbles, which is very, very high, and three fumble recoveries, which is also very, very high. Uh, so he's generating a ton of plays in the backfield, uh, doing a ton of work. So, again, um, I mean, this is less easy than linebacker and safety, in my opinion, but it's still, you know, pretty easy, I think. Uh, the only comp competition was Suzuki, but outside of his TFLs, he kind of had a meh season, if that makes sense. But uh, let's move on now to defensive tackle of the year, where we actually had two winners. We had a tie uh, between Big Ed and Bubba Thumper. Um, and again... It was a really, really good season for both of them. Uh, Thumper had the most tackles on the uh, list for, like, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Yeah, he had the most tackles on the list for the nominations at 56, um, well ahead of anyone else. The only one who came close was Rapid Eagle uh, with 51. Um, he had two forced fumbles. Again, most on the list. Uh, he had a fumble recovery, and he had 11 sacks. Uh, whereas Big Ed, less tackles. Uh, he had TFLs, which, again, that's pretty rare. Because uh, DEs are the, DF, uh, are the TFL generators, whereas DTs, um, they, they do a lot of sacks. Um, so, like, as you can see, Big Ed here, you know, four of them, it's pretty rare. Uh, the only one to actually get a significant amount of TFLs on this list was Rapid Eagle. Uh, Crucis had a few as well. Uh, he had three. But Big Ed had the sack edge, had the TFL edge, whereas Thumper had the turnover edge and tackle edge. So they both had arguments. And if I had to choose one, I think I'd choose Thumper. Um, just because... Uh, the TFLs are great, but, like, does it actually mean anything, you know? A TFL, does that turn something into a win? Um, and sometimes it does. You know, TFLs can be huge. But other times, you know, it's like, you get a TFL, like, you know, you're four minutes into the first quarter, and you hit the running back behind the line for one yard, and it's like, first down, you know, whatever, right? So... I'd probably choose Thumper if I could pick one of them. Uh, so next up, offensive line. Um, <laughs> uh, easy. I mean, you know, it's Buckley. That That's it. The problem with offensive linemen is that they only have two stats to track. Um, pancakes and sacks allowed. Um, and you could use other stats to like, show, you know, how they can elevate uh, 
like a team's rushing attack. You know, that that's something to look at maybe, but it's so much harder to quantify something like that that honestly I hope we don't have to do it because it sounds like torture, but you know, if you really want to get in depth, that's really the only way to separate uh, offensive linemen beyond the stats. Because, um, for example, like I will say this about um, Laszlo, who wasn't up for awards, unfortunately, because he went IA. Um, you know, he wanted some time away from the league, and I respect that. Uh, if I had like a bot tackle, at you know, if I had a bot tackle, I would have not won. Uh, MVP. We'll talk about that later, but frankly, I wouldn't have been nearly as good. Um, good offensive lineman in any form really uh, boosts the team so much. But yeah, um, Buckley, easy pick. You know, no issue. I don't know why he wasn't unanimous because, like I said, you know, there's only two stats to go off of, and he led both of them. I guess you can say, oh, Arizona, you know, didn't make playoffs. Like, what what good did he do? But, you know, that that's a subjective thing, I guess. But, yeah, Buckley, easy. No issue. Um, for tight end of the year, um, McCormick won it. And another kind of easy one because he was a true tight end, I believe. He didn't play much flex, I think. Uh, I think it was Tom Hanks who said he was playing like 5-10% of his snaps at flex, which is actually pretty common. It's common for tight ends to play a lot of flex. Um, one of the guys who did play a lot of flex, um, oh, who was it? I think it was Jeffrey Phillips, maybe, who had a great season, but the problem is he didn't, like, he probably would have been on this list if we weren't looking, if we didn't have a rule that said, oh, you need to play X amount of snaps at tight end to be up for tight end of the year. And he didn't meet that number. Um, so he was left off the list. But McCormick was the best true tight end by far. Um, you know, 10.5 yards per catch. Only one who beats him in that is Avon's Bloxdale, um, who also had three less touchdowns and less pancakes. So, again, this is another easy one. Um, really true tight ends, I think, are somewhat rare. There's a couple of them, but a lot of the guys will play at flex every so often. But, um, McCormick, he was primarily, uh, tight end, so, you know, he did great. Um, and great for him. Uh, now, receiver of the year, another easy one. I mean, Donut just crushed it. There's really not much else to say, you know, over 1,400 yards, uh, 18.4 yards per catch, 12 touchdowns. No one's even in the same universe as he is. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't have much to say uh, about Donut winning. He was incredible uh, this season. Uh, for running back of the year, it's another easy one. Um I don't really have much else to say because Hanyadi was clearly the best running back. And again, it's not even close. Uh, 16 touchdowns in total. Um, again, no one's in the same solar system as him. I think the closest was like maybe 13 touchdowns. Um, but I could be wrong. Um, 
everyone else on this list, like Nakamura had nine, Tariki had 12. Uh, he also had by far the most uh, yards from scrimmage. He was well over 1,800. He was close to 1,850. Uh, actually, let me do the math. He was 1,856. If my quick math is correct, he also didn't give up a sack all season, which every other running back did. Um, but he didn't give up a single sack, and he had the most pancakes, which is, you know, fun little stat. It's not obviously, like, super massive. I mean, like, all of these guys on the list, you know, Hanyadi, Torrenson, Nakamura, Tariki, they're all, you know, running backs. They're not, like, blockers. But, you know, it's something... To, uh, to keep in mind, I suppose. Uh, now, for quarterback of the year, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good with Q winning this one. There's definitely an argument for Armstrong, though, and that kind of reflects in the voting. Um, Q had, you know, he had all the volume. You know, 27 touchdowns, um, bunch of rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns. Uh, the only issue that he had was uh, interceptions on this list. He was uh, second or third in interceptions. Uh, Bigsby and Cole had more, but they only had one more. Uh, he did have way more touchdowns than both of those guys though. Uh, 27 compared to 21 for both of them. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. He had a slightly better completion percentage than Armstrong, uh, 56.9 to 56.6. And of course, like I said, he had more volume. You know, he passed more. Now, Armstrong, um, I believe he had a way, way better yards per attempt. Um, Q had nearly, like, n about 90 more attempts than Armstrong did. Um, but only about 500 yards. So, you know, over the course of a season, I think Armstrong would have been slightly better uh, in terms of passing, you know, if he passed as much. But OCO, they've always been kind of a run-heavy team. I mean, even with Armstrong, you know, he had 90 rushes on the season. Nakamura was the league-leading rusher in the season with 330 attempts, um, which is actually a lot in the modern ISFL. Um, it's very rare to see players getting over 300. Um, you'll see it occasionally, but, you know, 330 is pretty damn high. So, his efficiency was very high. You know, there, there's an argument for either Armstrong or Q, uh, and I'm fine with Q winning. Uh, now for Breakout Player of the Year... Uh, this is an interesting one, I think. Um, Lim did end up winning it, and this is probably the first award I disagree with, um, simply due to the fact that his improvement came from going from wide receiver, probably, I think, with the stats, he's probably like wide receiver three or four. Um, I could be wrong, I don't know Colorado's depth charts, but, you know, um, he basically went from wide receiver 3, wide receiver 4, to wide receiver 1. Um, and his stats didn't prove, but they should improve. You know, if you're suddenly rocketing up the depth chart, you know, you're going to get targeted a lot more. Um, 
So, I don't know. He Objectively, he improved a ton, you know? But if I had to choose somebody here, like somebody different, it's probably Fujiwara for Baltimore. Um, I could also choose Nakamura. Um, but I think for the majority of Nakamura, his extra... Uh, like, scoring came from more attempts. His efficiency did go way up. I mean, 0.5. It uh, was a pretty titanic leap in terms of efficiency. Um, but I, I think I have to choose Fujiwara. Um, you know, he went from just under 2,000 passing yards uh, with 9 touchdowns, 7 ints, uh, 70 QBR, which is pretty... That's not very good. Um... All the way up to 3,200 yards, 18 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, um, with almost a 10-point improvement on his QBR. He went up to 78.4. Um, his percentage, passing percentage, stayed the same, but honestly, passing percentage in the ISFL is such a it's such a finicky stat. You know, um, I find it really hard to grade based on that alone. Um, but yeah. I personally would have gone with Fujiwara here. Um, I think Lim just came from, you know, his switch to being the top wide receiver in Colorado. And he did a great job there, you know. Objectively, he was a good receiving target. But it's expected for me, you know. If a guy goes to be the wide receiver one, he should get, he should get better. And that, you know, he did. And that's perfect. You know, that's good for him. He did very, very well for himself. But Breakout, mm, I'm a little bit more iffy on it. So I personally would have chosen Fujiwara for Offensive Breakout Player of the Year. Uh, now for Defensive Breakout Player, I got to scroll all the way down because, you know, don't put things in order, right? <laughs> um, so we actually had another tie uh, between Quaid and Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki already talked about at um, for defensive end of the year, um, but Quaid I haven't talked about. Um, yellow knife guy. Um, he had a pretty decent season twenty two, but season twenty three, I mean, he just exploded. You know, he got twelve more tackles. He actually tacked on some tackles for loss. Uh, he had twelve more sacks. He had an interception this season, and he had eleven more PDs. Um, Suzuki did improve a huge amount. I mean, 25 more tackles, 16, no, 18 more tackles for loss, 18, uh, which is pretty insane. He actually had less sacks, which is kind of funny. Um, but he also put up a forced fumble and f uh, fumble recovery this season that he didn't do last season. So uh, Suzuki and Quaid, both uh, solid players. I think one of the other guys you could have looked at, um, Nikia, uh, was another like, big one, I think. Um, he well over doubled his tackle amount. Um, he had two TFLs. He had more ints. He had seven more PDs. Um, I mean, going from 59 tackles to 122 is pretty crazy. Um, Big Eb was another one. Um, he had... He tripled his sack numbers. He actually had less TFLs, though. Uh, but he had more tackles in general, so... Really a lot of good picks for a defensive breakout player. If I had to choose between Quaid and Suzuki, 
I think I'm going to go a little homer and pick Quaid uh, just because, again, I mean, he's playing linebacker, so obviously he's going to be more flexible. That's just kind of the nature of the linebacker position. But his jump from season 22 to season 23 is, I think, bigger than Suzuki's jump from season 22 to season 23. They're both very, very good. Like, they both had incredible seasons um, compared to last season. But really, I find it hard to pick Suzuki, even though he broke the uh, TFL record. Like, he smashed it. Um, Quaid was just everywhere, and he did everything. So, yeah, I'd pick Quaid if I had to choose one uh, for this one. Now, for Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, we had a bunch of good players uh, this season. Um, what the hell? Douglas? Uh, <laughs> for some reason, Douglas Quail is misspelled. That threw me off. Jesus. Uh, anyways, so winner of this was Jamar Laxon, um, which I think... Uh, is agreeable for this. Uh, he was a very, very good running back. Um, you know, seven touchdowns is quite good. Um, 4.2 average, 1,259 yards, about 300 attempts. Um, yeah, he, he was very, very good running back uh, this season. And really, I find it hard to choose anyone else. You could choose Angler here. And he's probably my second choice. Uh, he's one of the examples of like a tight end kind of playing flex, for example. Um, and he, you know, he was very, very good. Um, well, he was over 900 yards. Uh, the only knock that I have against him is that he only had three touchdowns, which is pretty low. But Sarasota in general, I don't know how much they scored last season. Um, but I'm actually going to go check that right now. Uh, I can't remember if their offense was that good. Uh, nope, for some reason. Come on, Index. Nope. Come on, please. Give it to me. Okay, for some reason it's not showing me the previous Index, which is just wonderful. Yep, okay. Well, that's annoying, but, uh... Yeah, um, Angler did great. A uh, bunch of receiving yards. Uh, Capricolin was wide receiver, very, very efficient. Uh, 46 receptions, just under 700 uh, receiving yards and 7 TDs, which was pretty, pretty good. Uh, O'Donnell, I mean, um, yeah, unfortunately that Chicago team was just struggling hard. Um... <coughs> And it showed for him. Um, more interceptions than touchdowns. He had an okay season. But, I mean, you know, that that uh, Chicago team just didn't have enough talent around him. And it showed a lot. Uh, and Quayle, he also got the nod. Um, 75 pancakes. Only one sack allowed. You know, had a great season for OCO. Um, helped lead their rushing attack to be very, very efficient. So, yeah, he, he was another good nomination. But, really... I can't choose anyone but Lax in here. You know, everyone else was just kind of meh. You know, no one really stood out. 
Uh, now, for Defensive Rookie of the Year, if I can find it again. There we go. Uh, we saw Sun Goku get picked uh, for this one. Uh, defensive End, who actually, once again, Defensive End with a lot of sacks. Uh, he had eight, which is pretty damn high. Um, I don't know if I would have picked him personally. I think McCringleberry had a better season. Uh, McCringleberry stats, uh, 117 tackles, 3 TFLs, 8 sacks, so match the sacks from Goku, and had 13 PDs on top of it. Goku did have a safety, however. Uh, only defensive rookie on this list to have uh, safety. But really, <laughs> this is probably the second one I disagree with, and I probably would have chosen McCringleberry. Um... I don't think I would have voted for Goku. Goku probably would have been my second or third choice. Um, Waters as well was really, really good. <clears throat> With uh, 60 tackles, 3 interceptions, 24 PDs. You know. Those three in particular, I think, were the big winners. Ohm was also really, really good. Uh, 16 TFLs, which is pretty damn good. That's really, really good. Uh, half the sacks of Goku and McCungleberry, though, so... Uh, he kind of fell behind there. So, yeah, defensive rookie of the year. I probably would have ended up choosing McCringleberry. Um, but it definitely would have been a tough one. I think both of them, uh, both him and Goku were great. Um, but in the end, I, I think I would have gone with McCringleberry. Uh, now, offensive performance of the year. Here we go. Um... Really, this is another easy one. Um, Hanyadi had four touchdowns, and um, he had more touchdowns than either. Well, he matched the quarterbacks. Uh, Q had four touchdowns. Uh, McDummy had four touchdowns. But he did it as a running back. He also had 170 yards uh, in total. Um, 129 on the ground, 42 um, catching. So, really... You know, um, the only other one I would have chosen is probably McDummy, I think. Um, you know, he was ba he basically well, McDummy or Q. I'm not sure. I think I probably would have gone with McDummy uh, because he was playing at Yellowknife, you know, at my home stadium, and that is you know it's a tough place to play. You know, that season 23 team was very, very good. Um, but he was slinging it all day. Um, Q also played extremely well. He had a higher QB rating uh, than McDummy. But he also passed less. Uh, way, way less. McDummy had to pass 50 times. Um, and the fact that he didn't throw an interception is kind of insane in that time. But winner, you know, Hanyadi, easy. Um... Not much else to say about it. Uh, for defensive performance of the year, if I can find it. Here we go. Um, bunch of great games here, but again, this one's pretty easy for me. Um, Jim Waters, you know, who won it. He had four tackles, four PDs, three interceptions, and he broke the record for most interception uh, return yards uh, in the game. So, this is 
another pretty easy one. There are a lot of great play, like great games on here. Uh, Brandon Booker was great. He had um, he had six tackles, two PDs, two wins, and he brought one of them in for a touchdown. Uh, McAndrew was pretty good. Uh, Vegeta and Blaylock both had very like, I guess you could say, um, varied stat lines. You know. So a lot of good picks here, but really, I can't separate myself from the winner, and I think uh, Rogers wins it. Or Waters, sorry. So, yeah. Uh, Jim Waters, easy pick for defensive performance. Uh, now for GMs of the year. As much... Uh, I love Shady and Fly. They're, they're incredible. And I feel extremely lucky that I was able to play with them for a few seasons, or for quite a few seasons, and bring them uh, a trophy after so many years of heartbreak. Um, but frankly, GM of the year, uh, it's a harder sell for me. Um, at least in my opinion. Who would I have chosen instead? That that's actually a tough question. Um, I don't know. Maybe I want. I almost want to say Chicago, but the thing with Chicago is, at least when the season started, like they're they're what they're doing right now. What they did in between season twenty three and season twenty four has been great. You know. Like, you can debate results all you want. Like, they've had some tough games. Um, but really, I think their philosophy, you know, the team building they've managed to do and all that. And I mean, partially their record is just bad because they've played almost nothing but road games so far. They're 1-1 one one at home, so they're even there. So, <clears throat> once they start playing some home games... Uh, I think they'll be better off, but right now, you know, they played a streak, a big streak of away games. Um, they've only had two games at home so far, and they had a close one versus us, and a win versus Philadelphia. Uh, they have a bunch of like most of their home games were in the second half of the season. Um, so I think. Mm, Looking at season 23, oh, it's a tough one. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, they won Shady and Fly. You know, they, they won the Ultimus, um, which already gives them a lot of credit. But would I have chosen them? I don't know. This, this is one I'd have to look at a lot harder because, frankly, um, I don't pay attention to, uh, the GMs outside of my own, you know, that's just not something I do. I don't, I don't have that holistic view, uh, because I'm not, I don't need to, you know, beyond conversations I have with them and say like free agency, um, you know, it's pretty casual talking with them. So, um, shade, I mean, they're a good choice. Shade and fly. Don't get me wrong. Like they're a great, great GM pair. And I'm very lucky to have played with them for so long. Um, but I don't know about GM of the year. That's definitely one I'd have to do more research on, though. Uh, now for... 
let's see, for Offensive Player of the Year, I mean, for those of you who don't know, who came in during Season 25, um, I won, technically, both Offensive Player of the Year and, uh, well, MVP. That's, that's kind of out of the bag now. Um, so... Yeah, and the problem is you can't win both of those, or you you're not allowed to win both of those. So basically, Q got it. Uh, he's a good pick, regardless. Like he he had a great season for himself. Um, I already talked about him in quarterback of the year. Um, he did great for Arizona, even if they missed playoffs. It was by a pretty slim margin, and the ASFC was pretty close. For most of the season. Um, but yeah. For those of you who don't know that. That's why. Uh, if you watch the stream and were confused. Uh, why there was no voting. Um, it would have revealed. That I won both. So yeah. Um, that's just. Uh, something to keep in mind. Um, now for defensive. Player of the year. <clears throat> I need some water. Give me a moment. So for a defensive player of the year, um, again, a lot of big names up here. And I've already talked about, I think, all of these guys, at least in some regards. <coughs> I already talked about Abernathy. I already talked about Wilf. Uh, I don't think I've talked about Barry, actually, that much. Um, Blaylock, I already talked about. And Vegeta, I talked about kind of in passing. Um... But really, again, all of these guys were really, really good. But frankly, I can't choose anyone outside of Blaylock and Wilf. Um, both of those guys just had incredible seasons. Um, Barry was good. Um, but I think one of... Oh, I can't remember who was on the cast uh, for Colorado... But one of them basically said, it might have been Welker's actually, um, Wilf had like a prime Moberry season. Um, and Moberry's prime, for those of you who haven't been around for very long, uh, he's one of the best linebackers uh, currently in the league. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Wilf was incredible. Uh, Well-deserved win. Uh, Blaylock, like I said, really the only competition for him. Um, and I find it really, really hard to choose anywhere else. Uh, most dedicated member, this is another hard one. I definitely think all of the guys deserve it. Um, because all of them have done a ton of work in the league. Uh, Exilizer was one of the primary guys who helped facilitate... The transfer of the forms, which has been, you know, huge for us. Uh, that was a big, big project for the league to undertake. And it went pretty damn smooth. So big, you know, big ups to all of them. They've done uh, pretty great. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Exilizer, I agree. Uh, J-Pock, one of the simmer, he's a simmer guy. Um, done a ton of work in the league. Uh, Lemon as well, part of the Sim team. 
uh, Cola. You know, shout out to Cola. He does the presentations for the um, for the games, and he's done a great job in that, uh, in really kind of raising the level of our presentation. Um, so he's done great stuff. And Colt Classic, um, great user. Haven't talked to him a whole lot, uh, but another great guy. Now the final award, MVP. Um, really, it's between me and Blaylock here. Or even Armstrong um, had a pretty strong year. But if Armstrong didn't win quarterback of the year, uh, he's not winning MVP, I don't think. Um, that's kind of one of the things that I think is kind of consistent with awards, if that makes sense. I was trying to think of awards for a second. Um, if you don't win your respective position, like everyone on this list, Galf Wilf, linebacker of the year, Blaylock, safety of the year, uh, myself, running back of the year, JQ, quarterback of the year, if you can't win your relevant positional award, you're not going to win like the big name awards, usually. Um, unless it's kind of like a weird situation, like like I said, like with the tight ends being played at flex. Or actually, one of the interesting ones was uh, Forrest Gump, um, who played equal snaps at running back and wide receiver. And he wasn't eligible for either of the awards. He was eligible for offense player of the year. But like for quarterbacks, for um, like defensive players, you know, it, it makes it tough. Um, so really that kind of leaves it down to myself and Blaylock. I don't know if I would have picked myself in this case, maybe. Um, but really I think offense in general for season 23 was kind of meh. Um, so I, I definitely think Blaylock had a good case to win it. Um, and I find it strange, actually, that he got less votes than Armstrong. Like, Armstrong was great, like I said. Very, very efficient. Uh, good rusher as well. But he didn't even win quarterback of the year. You know, he's not even the best quarterback in the league. Uh, arguably, at least. Um, so, it kind it's kind of strange, I think. You know, that's, that's kind of one of the things... Um, that I, I assume people discuss a lot when talking about awards. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Hanyadi winning MVP um, is fine. I probably I probably would have found it hard to not choose Blaylock. Because he helped a um, kind of meh NOLA defense, at least statistically. Um, if he wasn't on that defense, they probably would have been almost dead last in most categories. Um, he just, he was all over the field and he did a ton of work to actually, you know, make sure they did something ultimately in playoffs. Um, so yeah. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on awards. Um, as someone who's been on the awards committee for a couple of seasons now, um, I haven't voted in the NSFL awards, but I have voted in DSFL awards, so I kind of, you know, have that thought process down. Uh, but with that done, let's move on to our second topic, which is dots. Um, 
if you've been living under a rock in the league, uh, first of all, uh, welcome. I hope you like the podcast. Um, but for those of you who aren't aware, uh, one of the donation incentives for our charity drive was you could get a pass into the Dots Discord server. Uh, and I did. You know, I donated, uh, claimed one of the passes that was available, and, you know, got invited into the server. And really, it's been awesome seeing all the cards. Uh, the amount of work that's got into all of them, um, just all of it has been incredible looking at it. Um, the guys working there, they're doing such an incredible amount of work, you know, having to cut out renders, high quality jersey swaps. Um, really, they're just doing an incredible job, I think. Um, and I, I can't wait to just dump all of my money into Dots. Uh, in particular, I really, <laughs> I really, really like the awards cards. Uh, Turtle actually recently finished my MVP card, and I want it. <laughs> I want it so bad. It sucks that we can't purchase uh, cards, you know, on their own or like trade them yet. Uh, maybe that's something that'll come up later, but not right now. But man, those awards cards are sick. Uh, they actually had one of them kind of on display. I think it was Cooter's MVP card um, that they had on display in like the dots uh, coming soon post, like the little presentation that Myth put together. Um, but yeah, dots, it looks great. I can't wait till it comes out because um, it'll actually give me something to spend my money on that I want. You know, and I feel like that's something the league needs because uh, a casino, you know, key, the casino's cool and the amount of work that they're doing, um, you know, updating odds, all that stuff. You know, they're doing a bunch of stuff um, for that. But the problem with casino is, or at least in my eyes, is that the only thing you can get from the casino is more money. <laughs> so it's like, why do I care? You know? I'm already rich. I have like almost 80 million in my bank. I'm pretty close to that. So why do I need more? <laughs> why why would I need more money? It's pointless to me. Um, but dots give something tangible. You know, it gives you something to actually purchase um, beyond like you know just more equipment or more training. Like yay, who cares? Um, so yeah, really hyped for dots. Uh, hope they release soon. Um, but one last thing, a uh, funny little story, um, and Quirky Turtle will uh, back me up on this one. Um, he's the one that's doing the awards card. He's done great. Like, they're all incredible looking. Like, they're all just so clean. Um, really, really well done. Uh, the problem he's having is that, for those of you who don't know, my render... Um, for the ISFL is Andy Isabella, um, wide receiver for Arizona. Um, and he, he's not a player that's gotten a lot of snaps. Um, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, he's only got like a couple, um, in the NFL. Um, so the problem he was having, 
was that there aren't that many good pictures of Andy Isabella out there. And for those of you who don't know, uh, as far as I know, the first award series that they're doing is season 22 and season 23. Um, And the issue he was having is that for those of you who didn't watch the Season 22 awards, uh, I won Offensive Player of the Year and Running Back of the Year. Um, and then in Season 23, I win Running Back of the Year, Offensive Performance of the Year, and uh, MVP. So now, I have five award cards that he needs to do. And unfortunately... Like I said, there are not that many good pictures of Andy Isabella out there. So he's having to scrape up pictures to try and fill five cards. Now keep in mind, uh, I'm pretty sure he said there are a lot of people who actually won multiple awards. The problem is, most of them only won two. (laughs) So now he's having to find you know, five awards pictures for me and like two for everyone else. So he, I remember when I first came into the, uh, into the server, he was just yelling at me about that. And then when I said, um, you know, I was going to win more awards for him. He was just crying because he, he doesn't want to look for more pictures of Andy Isabella. Um, but yeah, uh, dots is really, really cool. Uh, it just looks sick. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, I really, really just want to, you know, dump all my money in it. And I can't wait until I can. Um, And the last one I want to talk about is, well, expansion. Uh, The dreaded E-word. It's been confirmed for a while now. Um, I assume they're still, you know, gathering candidates. And kind of gathering stuff. Um, people um, and seeing what teams they want to do. And one of the things they were talking about is they occur, they're encouraging um, like international teams, uh, which is good. You know, some international teams certainly aren't bad. Right now we have like two, I think. We have London and then we have Tijuana. Um, and that's it. You know, everything else is in the U.S. Uh, but one thing I would like for people to kind of keep in mind. Uh, I think, personally, it would be cool to have a team up in the Northeast. Um, That's one region of the U.S. that I feel like is pretty underrepresented right now. Um, You have a lot of teams in kind of like the middle of the U.S., um, like Chicago, Baltimore. A lot of guys on the West Coast. Um, Like, you have Orange County. Um, So, really, I think... Don't ignore regions of the U.S., like northeastern U.S., um, I think would be really cool to have a team. And it would kind of fill out the United States a little bit more. Um, and then international teams, I mean, there are some really, like, obvious locations, you know. Um, one of the ones that I've seen, like, a million different mock-ups for is, like, Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo, Japan. Uh, I've heard that the Japanese Football League uh, is actually pretty well developed, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, I haven't watched it personally, but I've heard that it's pretty popular. So that would be interesting. Um, 
I've heard a bunch of different European teams, like Germany and stuff, uh, which would be great. Um, I've heard teams from, like, Australia, you know, all over. I mean, they're encouraging international teams, so people are going to get creative. Uh, where do I think they're going to be based? That's definitely a lot tougher. I know there are a lot of uh, applicants, and really, you know, I don't know what their plans are. But if I had to guess, we're probably going to get a team in Japan. Uh, or I wouldn't be surprised if we did. And then second team after that, mm, it's probably going to be somewhere in Europe, I think. Um, maybe somewhere in Germany. Um, or in France, even, would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, my, my guess is for the final expansion teams is one in Japan, probably Tokyo, and then one in Western Europe. Uh, I think it'll probably be like either Berlin. I don't think Paris. Paris is kind of like, who cares? Um, but maybe Paris. Um, but yeah, somewhere in France or Germany would be cool. Um, Tokyo seems like an obvious choice. I'm surprised we haven't had a team from Tokyo yet. So, yeah. Um, I think expansion is going to be very, very interesting. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, there are a lot of questions about expansion in my podcast questions, and we'll kind of go through those, uh, as I read them. But yeah, expansion, it's going to be really exciting, uh, really scary. Um, especially because this time in Yellowknife, we're not losing two players. Uh, that gives us a bunch of extra protection slots, um, and even if we did lose two players, we'd only gain one extra slot. Um, so that's kind of tough, but, uh, we'll deal with it. You know, you have to with, uh, expansion, you know, you have to do whatever you can, uh, to survive it. So yeah, uh, that's my thoughts on expansion. Uh, now it's, uh, it's time for questions as always to end off our episode uh, so starting off uh, from Thunder Titan 82, uh, one of the new Grey Ducks, uh, he asked uh, predictions for the Grey Ducks regular season and or DSFL playoffs. Um, I need to pull up the index real quick. Nope. That's not what I'm looking for. Come on. There we go. All right. Well, Minnesota, uh, they're tuned to right now. They've had back-to-back wins against Portland and Tijuana. Um, really, playoff picture, I think... <clears throat> I think it's going to be um, for the SFC. Mm, let me look, actually. What happened in Season 23? I need to... Look that up. So it was Norfolk, Dallas, and who? Norfolk, Dallas, and looks like Tijuana. Could be wrong there. No, I am wrong there, derp. It's only two teams. Okay, so looking at season 24, uh, I think it's going to be Norfolk in the playoffs uh, for the SFC. Um, Shocker, I know. Um, after that, uh, the NSC is wide open right now. You know, all of the teams are pretty equal to each other. Um, 
three teams at two and two, one at one and three. So a uh, bunch of even records. Uh, I think Minnesota's on the upswing, so I think they'll get in for the NFC. After that, <clears throat> looking at it, I think London actually has a decent chance. Because um, Portland so far hasn't won a game at home. They're 0-2 at home. Uh, whereas London is 1-1 one one on both home and road. So if that trend continues, uh, it'll be pretty tough for Portland. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking SFC, probably Norfolk, Tijuana, NFC, mm, Pythons, Grey Ducks. Um, but that, that can change a lot. You know, DSFL is very, very volatile. Uh, so thank you for the question, Titan. I appreciate it. Uh, we have a question from Opera Phantom, uh, Asking, who did you bribe? Now, uh, if you don't remember from the awards, uh, I won MVP over him, and I technically won Offensive Player of the Year over him. Um, so who did I bribe? I mean, listen, man, you know, HO, you know, I, I give him a talk, and, you know, they're, they're a little bit lonely. So, you know, a little bit of fun here and there, and uh, they'll give me the votes that I need, you know. Um, but, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, so, third set of questions comes from the CC, another Minnesota guy. Um, his first question is, do you have any plans to GM again in the future? Uh, maybe. I'm not sure yet. Um, I probably won't be GMing um, in my time with Hanyadi. Um uh, that's sort of my thought. I don't think... While I'm playing as Hanyadi, I probably won't GM again. Uh, maybe I will, depending. Like, if Yellowknife, for example, really needs a GM and I get protected, um, which I'll actually talk about that later, um, maybe. But right now, it's probably not. Uh, second, is there anything you wish you could have done differently with Hanyadi's career? Yes. Uh, I wish I earned more in my early seasons. Um, other than that, really, I don't think there's anything I would have done differently. But I wish I was a max earner starting my career and, like, continuing upwards. Um, there are some bouts where I just didn't have time to update, uh, which was really rough, and that hurt me. Um, players like Tariki, for example, like, she got an extra season over me. Um, you know, she's great on her own, but I would probably be ahead of her if I got to play... Um, every season. Although, in that case, I probably don't end up on Yellowknife. So, um, that that's an entire thing to talk about in and of itself. You know, if I maxed earned, what could have gone differently? <clears throat> but, uh, thank you for that uh, question. Uh, question three, is there anything you wish you could cook but just can't get right? Rice. I am terrible at cooking rice. Uh, if I bake it, it's fine. But if I try and cook it, even like a rice cooker, I'm just... It's gloopy. No matter how much I wash it, it's... Ugh, I, I can't get rice right. Um, that's definitely the toughest thing uh, for me. Uh, who's your favorite pick from the Ducks draft? Um, it'd probably be Beef Stew. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, Beef Stew... Helped me and CC with our draft steel project, um, which was probably about a month ago now. 
it's not a month, a couple of weeks at least. Um, he helped with like creating the formulas and actually getting everything readable. Um, so he was a huge help there. Uh, great guy, a lot of math stuff, you know, he's smart. Um, so yeah, that, that was a very, very good pick, um, for sure. Uh, this is a broad question, uh, but what's the biggest surprise so far this ISFL season? Uh, definitely the sailfish. Um, I mean, if we go back, let's see, will the index work this time? Yes, there we go. Uh, so looking at the sailfish, they were 8-8, eight and eight, you know, even record. Um, scored less points than they allowed. Um... So, really, they were just kind of meh last season, you know? <clears throat> but now, you know, they're 6-0. and zero. Um, They're the only team with an undefeated record so far. Um, Yeti are not far behind. You know, they're 5-1, and one, but, I mean, they're just dominating. You know, best defense by points allowed. Um, second best offense. The only one who beats them is us. Um, but we allow way more points. So, yeah, Sarasota just crushing it right now. Um, that's probably the biggest surprise, I think. Um, and finally, any comment on the recent punishment handed down to Tijuana? I need to look at that, actually. Give me a moment to actually take another drink, too. All right. All right. Oh, yeah, it was the tampering incident with Ben and uh, Tijuana. I, honestly, I, I think it's kind of stupid. I really don't like them. Uh, yeah, this, this was really, really strange. Um... Patently against the spirit of the DSFL. Um, you know, how about you have a rule? Seems really, really strange. Um, if anything, I would have probably fined Ben rather than the GMs. Um, I think, apparently, according to Ben, Myth told Ben to enter the draft. If anything, that's tampering, at least in some form. Um, so I really, really don't agree with punishing the uh, Tijuana GMs here. Um, so, yeah. Strange, strange punishment. Don't agree with it. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for CC uh, for the questions. Uh, now, we have some questions from Good Fortune Coffee. Uh, which dots cards do you want besides your own? Um, I want the entire awards card set. <laughs> they just all look great. Um... If I had to choose, like, an actual player, I don't know. I, I don't know. Because, really, I haven't, you know, I'm not, like, a historical player kind of guy. So, it'd probably just be the award set because they're, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, yeah. Uh, Faded asked the question, your opinion on dots? Already did that, so... We'll move on. Uh, some questions from Billy Bolo 53 where he asks, 
uh, how has League changed since you've joined? Um, well, we've already gone through expansion. We're about to go through a second set of expansions, so two different expansion drafts. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Rule-wise, not a whole lot has changed, at least in terms of fundamental stuff. Uh, the creation of the casino, obviously, uh, that's a big one. Um, the creation of the awards committee, which I was a part of um, for quite a while. Still, I'm a part of, but I was, you know, head for a while. Um, so, kind of like ancillary things around the league have been added and changed, besides like expansion, obviously. Um, but major stuff, I can't really think of anything um, besides expansion. Uh, thoughts on the expansion rules? Uh, let me pull that up, too, real fast. So, um, I, I think they're fine. The only thing I really don't like is the GM's counting as half a pick. That seems really, really strange to me, uh, because it could mean that you lose up to four players, uh, if you're unlucky enough to have two of your players leaving as GMs. So, like, last season, for example... Uh, in Yellowknife, or not last season, the season before that, uh, back when Sarasota was created. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we had both GMs of Sarasota on our roster in Yellowknife. Uh, we had both Dax Frost and Rain Gordon. Um, losing both of them meant we only had to lose one more player, um, which was good for us. But if we went by these rules, we lose four suddenly. Just because we were unlucky enough to have two players want to GM on our team. So, I don't like that rule. I find it really, really strange. Um, yeah, that, that rule seems really strange to me. The rest of it is fine. Uh, it's pretty much the same as last season. Um, but I don't like the GM changes. And then, his last question is, Team's best slash worst equipped... Uh, to handle expansion, worst equipped, I have to say, is probably Chicago. Um, I Like I said, they've done a great job with roster building. But the problem they're about to have is that their roster is very, very young. Uh, their oldest player is Season 18. Um, and as far as I can tell, they don't have that many like inactive players. Or at least inactives that they'd want to give up. So, there are definitely some players they can leave open, um, but so many of their guys are young, and I think it's going to be really, really rough for them uh, this season. Um, I think Arizona, in part, is kind of the same way, um, where, again, they're relying on a lot of young guys, a bunch of Season 22, Season 21, Season 20, uh, very few old players. So, those two are probably the worst. Best? Uh, I'm not sure. That's definitely... That's something I'd have to do a lot more research into and kind of look at the rosters. Because um, not a lot of teams have Season 24 players on their roster yet. Um, maybe... Colorado would be fine. Because they're one of the teams that have quite a few older players. Although the issue is two of their older players are GMs. 
uh, or at least one of them is. So the question is, who who do they leave open? Because um, they have a lot of guys that they want to keep uh, 100%. Um, yeah, it, it, for a lot of teams, I think, who have kind of started to grow to rely on season 21, season 22, season 23, uh, this is going to be really, really rough. Um, so I'm definitely going to be excited and interested to see how teams are going to be thinking about their rosters uh, coming into the future. Uh, now we have some more questions from Darkness Rising. Uh, he has a bunch. Uh, how do you see your future post-expansion panning out? Uh, this one is really, really tough for me. Because, for those of you who don't know, um, there were a bunch of extensions that Yellowknife signed. Um, we had like seven players getting extended, something like that. Now, that's all good. But the problem that we're that I'm going to have, at least, is this. For those of you who don't know, Acura Skyline is currently uh, one of two running backs on Yellowknife. The second being me, of course. Um, and in his extension, uh, one of the things he wanted added in, besides a no trade uh, no trade clause was that he added in a, um, oh god, what's the word? He added in a stipulation that he has to be protected in expansion. So, with our two GMs being protected, protecting money, uh, Jack, and now having to protect Skyline, that only gives us five slots. So, it's a realistic thing that I might have to be left open because, well, think about it this way. Do you really want to protect a running back who's about to start hitting regression? You know, I'm a, objectively, I am the best running back in Yellowknife history, but the problem is I'm old, you know? I'm hitting regression after this season. So, and Skyline isn't that far behind me in terms of TPE. Like, he's about 400 behind last time I checked. Which isn't huge, at least for running back. You know, it's maybe a couple extra decimal points on the yard per carry. So, is it worth it to re-sign both of us? Or not even re-sign, to protect both of us? And that's a tough question for us. Um, I'd love to stay with Yellowknife. You know, I'd really love to stay with Yellowknife. Uh, for my entire career, but, you know, tough questions are going to have to be asked, you know, is it worth it? Do we really want to leave young defensive players, for example, on the board? You know, guys like uh, Cho, guys like Helzapop and Quaid, um, Valdir, uh, Susan Cash, you know, all of those guys, they're going to be available, you know? We don't have... Um, season 24 players on our roster. Uh, I think we're season 23 and older for the most part. There might be like one season 24 that I'm missing, but I, I'm pretty sure it's all season 23 and below. <clears throat> so that's definitely going to be a tough question. Um, and that's something that we really aren't discussing until after, um, the, expansion teams are announced, because for those of you who don't know, Darkness Rising is putting in a bid, I believe, 
actually. Um, so we might lose him, and that might be something to think about. Um, anyways, uh, his next question is, what are your goals trying to see happen in the twilight of Hanyai's career? Um, so my goals, I want to get over 1,200, uh, all-purpose yards. I'm pretty close, actually. I think I'm at around 9,000, or I'm pretty close to 9,000 if I'm not there. Uh, so getting to 1,200 would be good. Um... That would put me, like, fifth all-time in all-purpose yards. I'd have to check that, um, because I'm not entirely sure. Um, but, yeah. Actually, here we go. I can pull it up. I can pull up a sheet. Um, so at 1,200, um, ignoring the fact that guys like Gump and Torrenson are still active, that would put me at around fifth or sixth overall. Uh, an all-purpose yard, all-time, um, which would be great. Um, obviously, you know, that's not uh, something you can guarantee. That's just how it is. Um, but that, that's kind of what I'm hoping for uh, right now. Um, beyond that, winning another running back of the year would be great. I'm on pace for that. And winning another offensive player of the year MVP. Is kind of what I'm looking for right now. Uh, just to kind of round out the awards case. I guess you could say. Winning a second ring would be great as well. Um, but again. You know. That's not something I can do individually. <coughs> uh, what have you heard about. Uh, for this round of the expansion draft. The bids. The draft itself. And the overall feeling in the league. I haven't heard too much about the bids. Uh, for it. I know that you're making a team. Along with Tylus. Um most Minnesota guys. I know Adam S at one point was going to make a team and he dropped out. I heard he was going to try and GM with Stegosaurus. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've heard it. Um, so I don't know if Stego's going to still try and make a team. Um, I don't know who else is looking for expansion, really. Those are the only two teams I've heard about. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, overall feeling about it, I know that a lot of people are really, really scared of expansion, including myself, um, just because there's so, so many, um, new players open, you know, all the season 22 guys, all the season 23 guys are open this time. Um, so really it's going to be a lot of tough discussions, uh, with expansion coming up, uh, for sure. Uh, how would you organize a 16-game schedule with two new teams? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't make the schedule for the games, and I'm very thankful for that. Uh, I'm sure they'll figure something out. Uh, probably maybe more in conference, less, um, I don't know, less road games maybe. We'll see. I'm curious to what they'll do. Uh, and his last question is, have you had any thoughts about your next player? Will you recreate straight away or perhaps take a seasonless break? Uh, the only thing I know about my player is that I'm going to be at quarterback. I'm not position switching, and I know the name. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Will I take a break? Maybe. Depends on when I retire. Um, you know, if I go the distance... I don't know how much longer I can... Well, I can probably survive, like, four or five more seasons with Hanyadi. 
probably four, um, pretty comfortably. So that's definitely something I need to think about. Uh, I'm not sure yet. Um, I'm definitely, definitely no. I'm staying at quarterback. I'm not position switching. So you know, if uh, if Yellowknife hears that, they you know they're kind of sad because they can't redraft me. Oh well, you know. So be it. I want I want to play a quarterback. That's all I know. Uh, and thank you for the questions. I appreciate it. And the last question for today comes from C9 Van. Uh, any words of advice for an upcoming running back? Uh, my advice would be don't create it running back, but you're already there. So, um, yeah, I, running back is very saturated at the moment. Um, obviously, with expansion coming, you know, some slots will open up, but... Really, there aren't that many um, right now. <clears throat> so, if you don't want to, you know, pick, or if you don't want to switch from running back, um, just be prepared to share a lot of carries. Uh, that's the only advice I can give you. Uh, and thank you for the question. And that, with that, that's the end of all the questions, and that's the end of the episode. Um, so if you've listened this far, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening the entire way and, uh, have a good night.